Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This happened back when our family moved to our new house in 2001. I was 8 years old and my sister was 10. Since we had just moved, my mom really wanted some new furniture to make our home look nice. We weren't well off in the first place, but it was our first real home, meaning it wasn't a cruddy mobile home for once. We drove to a little value furniture shop that had a bunch of things to choose from. Of course, my sister and I, being typical siblings, were joking around with each other. She called me an ugly freak, and I told her that her face was fat. You know, just normal things. Unfortunately, my mom couldn't find anything she liked, so we left empty-handed. When we got into the car, she wanted to go to the grocery store and pick up a few things, so the trip wasn't a total waste. We drove along. My sister and I noticed a brown car following us, turning every corner, making every light. We pointed it out to mom, and she just blew it off. Don't worry about it, guys. So we dropped it too. We were young and we completely forgot about it when we went to the grocery store and grabbed our snacks. Again, we got in the car and left for home, and again, The brown car started following us. Mom was getting a bit worried since we lived in another town, 20 miles away. She told us it had to be someone we knew. We had relatives living in town, just not anyone we were really close to. Like they did before, they copied our route. The closer we were to home, the more paranoid my mother became and in turn fueled our fear. She told us to copy the license plate, but tried to assure us that it was probably our cousin Jessica or something. When we parked in our driveway, the car parked right behind us, the engine still running. Our mom ordered us to stay in the car while she went to talk with our cousin. My sister and I watched from the rear window as my mom went to speak with her. After a few minutes, We heard the woman from the car yelling, gesturing to us inside the car, and then back to my mother. She peeled out of the driveway, almost running over my mother's feet. A few seconds later, my mom was crying hysterically and ordered us to get into the house. She pushed us into the room and spoke to our dad, even though we could hear everything. Apparently... The woman had thought we were insulting her while we were in the furniture store and threatened us. She had said that she would throw nails in our driveway and poison our dogs outside. She insisted that our mother beat us for talking to a complete stranger in such a way. And, if she had the chance, 
She'd break our little fucking necks if she heard us talking about her again. My dad wasn't very happy that my mom brought her all the way to the house, but stated it probably wasn't a big deal. The next day, my sister and I were walking to our bus stop when we saw the brown car parked across the street from our house. My sister immediately ran back inside to tell our dad, and he walked us to the bus stop and waited until we were safely on the bus. My mom wanted to do something about it, but my dad was against it. He assumed the police wouldn't do anything since they were just threats. So the creepy stalkerish behavior continued without interference. She began showing up every morning, watching as we waited for the bus. But she was coming into our property to make her presence known. My mom found a bottle of antifreeze near the dog's fenced-in area. It hadn't been opened, but we were told to bring in the bowls every night, just in case. Food wrappers and half-empty cups of soda were thrown on our lawn. The air valve caps and the lug nuts and our tires went missing. One of our outside cats had died, but we couldn't pinpoint what happened. Then my older brother did something really stupid. My dad was tired of walking us to the bus stop, so he asked my older brother to do it. Spotting the car in its typical spot, he decided the smart thing to do was throw up his middle finger at her. This fucked her up. She ran out of the car, cursing and yelling at us. She said we were crazy and needed to fucking learn our place as children. She was screaming and threatening to beat us and spitting at us. I was bawling my eyes out and my brother had to pick me up because I just couldn't move. We stayed home that day and my mom finally called the police. We gave them her license plate number and they said they would visit her in a day or two. My mom didn't tell me much, but when they confronted her about it, she went on a total rant about how kids are just dirty bastards and she would kill every last one she could. They didn't arrest her, but a few days later, the police called my mom to inform us that the lady was admitted to a psych ward. There were no more details, unless my mom didn't want to share them, but we never heard from her again. Years ago, I was an active life journaler, and so was my ex-girlfriend. Somehow, she met this dude, Jeff, who despite being a hardcore born-again Christian and Republican, wanted to be friends with us, a pair of college-aged girls in a lesbian relationship. Even then, I was sure all he wanted was pictures of us making out. At first, he seemed like a pretty normal dude, lived in New England, worked in a hardware store, recently moved towards Florida to be close to his girlfriend, Julie. But then I noticed a weird through line of his post. Every single one was about his girlfriend, and now they had somehow been separated against their will, and he couldn't contact her and was basically dying from heartbreak. At one point he mentioned that he last saw her at the end of her sophomore year of college. Which, given this guy's lack of physical appeal and age, was really out of the blue. Around this time, my girlfriend started texting him, and he was immediately super clingy, 
doing the whole hey hi hey hi hey thing for literally 40 texts if she didn't respond right away but through this she learned more about his relationship they'd met on life journal and started dating online but when he moved to be close to her and her parents found out about him they broke it off they planned to reconnect when she got back in college in the fall but in the meantime he was trying to contact her via any means necessary he claimed her friends also disgusted by the age difference had gone behind her back and blocked him from all of her accounts and on her phone my girlfriend perhaps feeling the forbidden love sympathy said she'd help him track her down I didn't really buy it like why not make a new account or whatever or just tell your friends to fuck off this was almost 10 years ago now so I'm shaky on the details but something specific hit me and I decided to google him as best as I could I'm glad I did because my girlfriend had just found a ton of personal info on this girl and was about to pass it along to him. I found Julie's live journal and her public entries all hinted that she was healing from something really horrible. Real bummer. As for the rest, I have no memory of how I was able to find it. The first info I was able to find on Jeff is that he had been fired at a job in New England for hitting on a teenage girl and then it got really fucked up Jeff found Julie on live journal when she was 15 and he was in his late 30s she was young and lonely and they'd cyber all the time then one day he just showed up outside of her high school a thousand miles away and told her that they can run away together I don't know if she only later realized that she'd been victimized by a dude twice her age or if it was an all-out rape. But either way, sex happened in his car. She reported it to the cops and got a restraining order against him. His whole story of her parents breaking off the relationship was technically true. But, uh, he'd left out some pretty major details. By the time my girlfriend and I were talking to him, he'd been stalking Julie for four years. We'd been talking to a turbo stalker and a child rapist and perhaps unwittingly helping him to find his girl. I called the cops but it turns out there isn't much they could do. He hadn't found her specifically and unless he violated the restraining order, they couldn't really arrest a dude for posting sappy shit on his journal and refreshing her live journal profile. Luckily, we were able to delete him a few days later without having to confront him about any of it. When he texted my girlfriend a bunch of really disgusting sexual comments about me, problem solved. I blocked him on Facebook and haven't heard from him since. I genuinely hope Julie gets free of him too. My story takes place in the spring of 2000. I had recently gotten my first puppy, a pommy mix, a very longed for contribution to my life. I was 20 and had just moved into a dog friendly apartment building 
and was enjoying the hell out of finally having a little pup in my life. I started walking several times a day and soon interacted with lots of new people who also walked their dogs the same place as I did. There were many really nice people that I got to know, and then there was Hugo. He was a 45-ish bloke with a shaven head and a way of talking to you as if he was your best, oldest friend in the world. I didn't want to be rude and tell him to stay away. Not at first, but when I started getting text messages from him without ever giving him my number, I told him to please leave me alone. He would inform me as if it was perfectly normal that he would sit and wonder if I was home and drive by to check if my car was in the parking lot. If it wasn't, he admitted to feeling jealous and badly done by, wondering who I was with. I started avoiding the trails that I knew he often walked, and instead took my dog to a forest area outside the city, where we would play and run and have a great time. I started getting emails from Hugo, where he held long one-sided conversations about why we made a perfect couple. I ignored those emails. Then I got letters, no stamp in the mail, where he informed me about where he had seen me, what I had been wearing, and where my four-year-old niece went to daycare. She looks just like you. This is where I started to freak out a bit and went to the police for support. The policeman informed me that even if his behavior was indeed disturbing, he had made no actual real threat and therefore police could do nothing apart from phoning him and telling him off. I figured they must have because the texting and email stopped. Months went by and I forgot about the whole thing, until one evening in the beginning of September. I was babysitting my niece and decided to take her and the dog to my favorite spot along the forest trail. There's a bench and a fire pot and we could bring hot dogs and cocoa and have a nice evening outdoors. My niece was halfway into her second hot dog and I was over by the riverside throwing sticks into the water for my little dog to retrieve when I suddenly realized that my niece was talking to someone, giggling and laughing. I turn around and see her sitting on the lap of Hugo. He is bouncing her around and she laughs and smiles at him. I can't describe the feeling that came over me, but I heard myself say, Put her down right now! and started walking towards them. I didn't run, as if afraid to spook him and cause him to run off with her, and also didn't want to scare the child. He must have been watching me, following me without me noticing, I thought. The sick bastard. Such a pretty little princess. She's got your smile. Come to me, I said to my niece, but then his grip around her tightened. And she stopped giggling and looked at me with disbelief. My dog was now sensing that something had changed, that there was some sort of diffused threat in the air, and started to bark dementedly. Go play with the dog, princess. Your aunt and I will have to take a little walk, Hugo said to my niece, but his eyes were locked on me. Isn't that right, darling? He added, a thin veil covering an open threat. Okay, the girl agreed, and he reached out a hand to me, grabbing hold of my arm before letting go of the child. 
Go play, I said to her, trying to sound normal. Go play with the dog, but stay clear of the water. I'll be right back. At this time, Hugo yanked me with him down the trail. So, how come you're here this evening? I asked, trying to sound casual and not scared out of my mind. You told them I was a perv. You told the police I was a stalker. I'm just looking out for you. Don't you see that? I do everything for you, and you're just an ungrateful, deceiving little bitch. I didn't realize you were looking out for me, I said, unsure of how to handle the situation, waiting for an opportunity to run. Of course, I wanted to make sure you didn't try and do anything stupid on our date. I would have taken the girl with us, see? I'm no monster. I'm your protector, your soulmate. So, I let her be. I'm nice like that. At this time, he stops in his tracks, turns around to face me, and lets go of my arm to touch my face. Before I knew what I was doing, I had shoved the hill of my hand directly on his trachea. The way we had practiced so many times before, but I never thought I would use it in real life. Never hesitate. If you need to do this, then do it with all you got. There are no second chances, our instructor had said. And I apparently paid better attention than I thought. To my surprise, Hugo went down on his knees, a stunned look on his face and both hands clutching his throat. Run, I thought, run. I ran back to where I'd left my niece and dog, snatched her up from the ground, and ran with the dog barking by my side back to the car. I threw the now crying child and a dog into the car and sped off. No seat belts, no child seats, no nothing. I drove to the same police station I had visited once before and actually got to see the same policeman. They didn't find him where I left him, but retrieved my bag that had been left at the scene, as well as the dog leash and my niece's sunglasses. My niece had no idea that he wasn't a good guy, and no one could testify as to what happened. He was never brought in, and I never got the ending I wanted. It took a long time until I stopped looking over my shoulder when out running. Even longer before I could open the door when the doorbell rang without first reaching for my pepper spray. I haven't seen or heard from him since that day. I hope we never meet again. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.